0: Guys, I want to thank the sponsors of the podcast. I want to thank GoHunt.com, my friend Cody Nelson, the glassing guru, the optics authority. He's the optics manager at GoHunt.com. If you have any interest in buying optics or have any glassing questions, whether it be tripods, spotting scopes, rifle scopes, range finders, anything to do with glassing, give Cody a call 702-847-8747, that's extension 2, or you can email him at optics at gohunt.com. You can also send him a text or call him on his cell phone at 602-399-3699. Guys, right now at GoHunt.com Insider, you can take advantage of the free trial. Go to GoHunt.com forward slash jscott. You're going to be able to take advantage of a free trial of the Insider. GoHunt is always adding more value for their Insider members. They've now added real 3D maps as a part of Insider for no additional cost. What an incredible value. Very soon, they're going to have their mobile app up as well. Go to GoHunt.com forward slash J. Scott and sign up for a free trial. If you're already an Insider member, it's automatically part of your Insider membership. And you can just go to the Maps tab up at the top once you sign in as an Insider. I also want to thank Kuyu Ultralight Hunting. That's the gear that I wear on all of my hunts. To find out more, you can go to KUIU.com, Kuyu.com. They're a direct-to-consumer company. They sell everything off of the Kuyu.com website. I also do a lot of question and answer on my Instagram where I'm answering questions about guys wanting to know about gear about Kuyu, so tune into my Instagram. I want to thank Kuyu for their sponsorship. I also want to thank Phonescope.com. Use the jscott20 promo code. You're going to get a 10% discount on all orders. Again, thanks to all the sponsors of my podcast guys welcome to the j scott outdoors podcast i've got chris geikema of compass west outfitters on the line chris how you doing i'm doing good man how about you good it's been a year or two since i've talked to you about new mexico we've got a march 17th deadline coming up here for the hunting applications so we're about a month out i figured i'd get you on the line and see uh how conditions are looking
1: there in new mexico No, it's nice, Jay. I mean, I spent all morning today shoveling, you know, a foot plus of heavy, wet, dense snow off my roof. I live in a flat roof house here in the northwest part of the state, and then all the way down into like thirty four and thirty six, and kind of the main areas that we guide in New Mexico. Here, it was. uh, I was talking to a buddy of mine that I'm going to go bear hunting with, and he was telling me it was. 20 degrees colder in Pinyon, New Mexico with more snow on the ground than it was at his house in Alaska. So we were laughing.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, Chris, where does your guide service uh, operate the most and for which hunts um, do you primarily focus on?
1: I mean, we do statewide really anymore. Jay, we're stuck kind of chasing permits a little bit. You know, I've gotten to the point with my clients that I divide the state into two categories, opportunity, or quality, you know, and for guys that are looking for quality elk, we're mostly 34, 36, 37, 30 uh, down in some of those units. And then we get over into like 15 and 16A and 16D. It, it's just the tags are so hard to draw everywhere, really, that, you know, we've really just really choked it down to 34 and 36 is our primary area the last three or four years.
0: Okay. And where is your home?
1: I live in Aztec, but that's in the four corners up near Durango. I live up in unit like 2A. Um, When I really started to cut my teeth in New Mexico, we were pretty focused up here on mule deer and just kind of marginal elk hunting up here in unit two. Um, And we just fell into some great leases and private land and great guides and just a great infrastructure of support down South. And really I, I might as well live down there. We're in the process of buying some land down there. So it it might be sooner than later.
0: Uh, When I first met you, you were guiding fishing on the San
1: Juan river. Yeah, I, I moved down to New Mexico in 1997. I was guiding hunts up there and fishing on the Bighorn and a bunch of other little rivers. And I, I came down here really because, uh, just happenstances of meeting a guy that wrote HTML code and had these website things that he was designing and told me this is where I needed to go. And I was smart and I listened
0: (laughs) right on. Um, how was your season last year compared to others and how did your elk hold up as far as antlers and, and what did you see?
1: Oh boy, man. You know, so like for the first time, I really saw a hard hit on our antler growth on our trophy mule deer unit in 2C. That was a shocker. I think to all of us, we always kind of assumed the bitter brush and the mahogany had squeak them through, but they took a hit. Uh, my elk, we had a exceptional horn growth year. I think overall, but you know like up until 2 days ago most of the areas that I guided in New Mexico had less than an inch and a half of total rain from last march so the, the the horns were howl they weren't there was no density the the sheathing over the cores was thin i, I would say that maybe 75 to 80% of our mature bulls were 50 to 75 percent broken by the end of our tree.
0: So they broke quick and broke
1: lots of them broke fast Bad, I mean, you know, I think this is a double-edged sword There's two things that I see happen on these sort of years, you know I saw it this year with my hunters my hunters shot a lot of really nice 280 290 bulls That were clean slick six points that weren't broke and a lot of the reason was they're young, awesome bulls that guys wanted to kill. They didn't want to kill broke up stuff. And we actually put most of our big, mature, broken bulls off limits. But I see this trend of recur- reoccurring here in New Mexico with if you get a good moisture year after a bad drought year like that, you have an exceptional horn growth and big, mature bulls because the young bulls that weren't in the game all got whacked. You know, that was the six-bys. Guys don't want to shoot giant old five-bys or broken-up bulls. They shot the nice six-by-sixes that were maybe a little bit younger because those bulls weren't even in the rut. You know, they weren't even fighting. Right. You know, and then I think we've debated it a lot here with these drought cycles in New Mexico, and I hear it a lot more with other people, but we've really come to the conclusion now that I think the reason these bulls get so broke up on these drought cycles is we get, we were calling it kind of cluster rut this year, where our cows were so unhealthy. I don't think they cycled a lot of them ever. And I think the ones that did, it was like a hot cow here, and you'd have 30 bulls. And then there'd be a hot cow two canyons over, and there'd be 20 bulls. And then a canyon over, there'd be two hot cows that got hot.
0: So it just created a sporadic rut and inconsistent rut, but there was fierce competition. Instead of having all the cows coming in at the same time, there was fierce competition, so the bulls fought really hard for those few cows that did come
1: through with their cycle. Right. You, you, You don't normally see the kind of aggression that we saw this year with these bulls, where there's like one cow tongue hanging out and five or six bulls, two or three mature bulls, all dogging her and trying to push her off someplace where they can, they can breed. And, and, you know, I, this year for the first time in a long time, probably only 60% of the cows that we killed in like December and January were pregnant. Really? So
0: how do you think that's you know, going to
1: translate into this year? I mean, I mean, I think truthfully, if we can get some moisture, we're going to have a way above normal (laughs) cycle of elk horns. You know, I think you're going to have all those big bulls that didn't get killed this year because they were broke. I mean, I had a 380 bull that we missed on film twice um, at a water hole. And he came back two days later and had no left horn and his right horn was slick. He was a unicorn. He had his main beam, but all his tines were broken off, and his main beam was missing. And it was for sure the same bull because he had some, like, weird big mud clods up on his back from where he'd been playing around in a dried-up pond. Wow. I think this year we're going to kill some big bulls, man. I mean, if we can get some rain. This is just – this is, you know, this is awesome moisture for, for all the ranchers and everybody else involved in what's happening here in the southwest, you know
0: so new mexico has outfitter pool and then they have a regular draw and then there's landowner tags um, what's your pitch to someone that's applying as far as applying with an outfitter and or buying a landowner tag from
1: a guy like yourself i mean a guy's got to kind of decide i kind of jokingly ask guys how angry they are at elk you know because if they're really angry and they've been on some subpar hunts or had a rough run of it you know new mexico landowner tags are awesome because you can buy the voucher book the hunt and go go and just go hunt i encourage my clients to also apply in the draw because who doesn't want to save quite a bit of money but you know for the guys that are looking for the guaranteed tag new mexico is blessed with that opportunity you know and as of right now we're still blessed with the you know economic impact opportunity that we have through the outfitter pool although they're they're fighting pretty hard in santa fe to get rid of that
0: what do you think the likelihood is obviously not in this draw cycle but what do you think the likelihood is that they get rid of
1: the outfitter pool i don't know jay it makes me nervous you know the thing you know new mexico hunting and fishing industry you know, direct, indirect, all the peripheral businesses is a billion-dollar industry. And just hunting and fishing outfitter sales in the state is over $150 million. In this era of corona and crushed outfitter businesses and all my friends and, you know, my, my brothers in the industry in Canada, I can't even imagine you know, and now they're trying to do the same thing here. Statistically, New Mexico residents last year got eighty nine point like six seven or six three percent of the total allotted tags. But you've got New Mexico Wildlife Federation, backcountry anglers, and you've got our backcountry, um, yeah, anglers. Uh, hunters and anglers you've got all these groups that are sponsoring these bills attacking this so-called welfare system for the outfitters it's not going to bump things i'm hoping it won't go i think this is a mere bait and switch deal you know they're also trying to change new mexico game and fish's direction to the new mexico conservation department as a part of this bill and while everyone's fighting over 90-10 or outfitter pools, you know, they're sitting back and laughing because they're going to get this conservation thing in there if this passes and Game and Fish's direction will no longer be Game and Fish. You know, they're going to be having to deal with, you know, some sort of little, you know, the jumping mouse that lives in the Sacramento mountains and some red-footed salamander and everything else. It's a pretty ugly, scary bill
0: how far along is the bill or where is it now what stat? what stage is it at
1: it's it hasn't gone to the floor yet um there's a trapping bill i think that dropped today um and when i was waiting for you to call me i was sending emails to all the senators where they're trying to outlaw trapping on public lands and then oh wait i'm sorry no that one didn't drop the one that dropped was a gun safety one where you're They're trying to pass a bill in new mexico where you're not allowed to have a gun in your house that doesn't have a trigger lock on it period and no youth under 12 is allowed to touch a firearm so the, the problem with that is you know they're trying to get rid of hunting at the core which is the kids in new mexico has such an unbelievable youth hunting program with no age limit you know if your kid is old enough to pass a hunter's education class they can apply for special tags and for New Mexico residents, they open up all these encouragement licenses later, you know, for the kids to do. I mean, my kid has drawn way more premium tags in this state than I will probably ever draw in my life through these programs. But, you know, this bill is trying to do away with that, which is, you know, it's it's horrible.
0: Yeah. Wow. I didn't know anything about that. Um, wow. Wow.
1: Yeah. So like kids under 12 wouldn't be eligible. Like I grew up in Michigan and I don't remember exactly, but I want to say that when I was a kid, you could take hunters Ed at 12 and you could hunt at 14 or something close. Well, I mean, you know, once gasoline and perfume is involved, kids aren't going to get into it that much. So (laughs) if you don't get kids involved when they're young, it's not going to happen. I mean, I was lucky and I got involved at a very young age. I was a beater for my grandpa, for grouse and woodcock. And then, you know, I was a beater for my dad. We had beagles and I'd go out and jump on all the brush piles and two feet of snow and try to get beagles, rabbits to run, you know? Yeah. But it's 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 really sad that they're trying to do this. I hope this bill of all of them is the most offensive to me and the fact that You know, my kid couldn't participate in trap or target shooting or anything else under the age of 12.
0: Yeah, and don't you want to educate your kids at an early age how to handle and use firearms and be um, safe with firearms? And it's part of their nature to just be around them and know how to use them and know how to be, you know, protect themselves. But. Even that, just be raised with them so that they understand them instead of, you know, holding it off and you can't do anything until you're 12 years old. I mean, it just seems crazy that they're going to dictate what a parent can or can't do. I mean, wherein in the same thing, they'll say that, you know, girls can use the boys' bathrooms and boys can use the boys' bathrooms and, oh, by the way, Um, It doesn't matter if you think you're a boy or a girl, um, you know, you can identify as whoever you want. It's just kind of strange that they would then dictate that, you know, what a parent can do inside their own household. No,
1: no, it's, I I don't like it at all. You know, my kids have grown up, you know, they've been around guns their whole lives and, and, you know, the novelty isn't there, you know, the, the gun. And I've told my, my boy this, and I'm starting with my daughter who's seven now and, you know, the most dangerous gun is the gun that his little buddy finds that his parents have never shown him or, you know, brought him up around guns. Gun- Gus knows how to use, you know, pretty much any of the weapons um, that there are. But, you know, that kid finds that gun and is playing with it. That's when kids get hurt, you know. Yeah. So I'd rather kids grow up with, you know, access around my house at my own will um to to learn it's the same with a four-wheeler you know karen got mad at me when i had the kids driving four-wheelers and utvs at real young ages but i told her it's not if it's when they're at a friend's house that's got a four-wheeler or a dirt bike or a utv and they jump in it and take off right and they don't and know what they're doing you, right if you ingrade that safety like you get in the utv you put on your seatbelt you put on a helmet now you go drive and have fun
0: right um but know your limits let's so. talk let's bounce back to your elk hunts so you do archery hunts um, first and second season Um, tell me the benefits of the first season compared to the second season and vice
1: versa so you know i just had this conversation with a guy this morning that was applying for hunts and he called me back and he's like man you know i want to up my odds so i tell all my hunters if you you know the second season is the one that everyone thinks they want to hunt the bulls are bugling almost for sure they're more aggressive you're definitely going to call more elk in you're definitely going to call more bulls in and cows it's a audio dream you know the guy walks through the woods and in the morning and the evening hopefully the bulls are bugling it's what they all want a guy that wants to kill a big bull i think They all should apply for the first to the 14th. The bulls aren't yarded up. They're a little bit more aggressive. You know, I might sound pretty sweet with a cow call, but if you got 30 cows and I'm one cow over here, he's just going to tell me to come over and join all the rest of his girlfriends. He's not going to come and check me out. So, the early season when they're greedy and they have one or two cows and you squawk at them, You know, I've seen it work pretty good. But the big thing I think that happens on the first two weeks is I seem to call the cows in more. I mean, I'll bugle and be aggressive and do all that sort of stuff too, but that's a different deal. But like when I am in the right situation and I get elk that are reactive to the cow call, most often when I kill a big bull, it's because I called in the cow. And I've always kind of in the back of my head thought, early season that bull's all hyped up he's in his prime it's his year to be king and he's gonna get those cows and breed them and i think sometimes those cows get worn out and they're tired of getting chased around by that bull and some other cow over there squawking they come over and try to schluff that bull off on them i think <laughs> that makes
0: a lot of sense i haven't heard of it talk like that told like you know, that but I, mean, I think it makes sense um what about the firearm seasons um in, in their dates being pretty late, that's kind of definitely maybe a little bit of bugling some of the smaller bulls, but typically not much bugling action, is there?
1: Well, if, if you back out that 21-day cycle, I've seen an increase in harvest for us on muzzleloader and rifle hunt since all this stuff shifted. I think before it kind of fell in between the archery hunting rut peak period and the second cycle, and I really think, man, I think that muzzleloader and beginning of that rifle hunt fall dead nuts on the top of the second cycle for our bulls, especially in 34 and 36. You know, those bulls seem, they're not, the big bulls aren't super aggressively calling, but they're sure still poking around a little bit, especially on that hunt. Um, I didn't see that before when those hunts were a week earlier, you know when the Like our youth hunt this year fell on the 10th And I honestly think and weather had a lot to do with it this year But I really think that there was you know Some bigger bulls killed and a little bit more bugling activity on the rifle hunt The general rifle two weeks after the youth hunt than there was on the youth hunt
0: interesting very interesting, for sure. Um, which unit do you feel has more quality bulls, 34 or 36?
1: 36 has probably one of the highest populations of nice elk in the state. I, I really don't think there's any place in New Mexico I've hunted with as many quality elk as there is there. I tell guys all the time, three twenties probably getting into your top end, but just like unit 2B, someone's always going to kill a 340, 350 bull in there. There'll always be a few that got away. And, you know, with the Mescalero Indians right there too, you know, you're always going to end up with a few bulls that squeak off the res and end up getting getting taken on the general tags. I think 34 has a better top-end quality. But as a rule, I think my hunters... I think my hunters... Um, I think my hunters end up with a little bit lower average in 34 than they do in 36 because of the perceived possibility of that better end bull so when you think there's 350 bulls are better in the unit or we know there are and we tell clients that there are guys are less likely to shoot those 310 320 bulls that they probably should shoot if they want to kill a bull Right. So they end up day four, day five, starting to panic and they just shoot a decent bull. And, you know, that's just part of the cycle. But, you know, I tell guys in 36, the first bull you see over 300, you should shoot. Interesting. You know, it, it, unless you've killed a lot of elk and you're really looking for something bigger. Sure.
0: Uh, let's talk a little bit about your mule deer. Um, you talk about 2A, 2B, 2C. Which one of those do you think is the the best unit for a mule deer?
1: I don't talk about two A or two B at all anymore. It's ruined, in my opinion. I hate to say that, man. Two B is an opportunity hunt. Last two years I've killed consistently nicer average deer on general hundred percent outfitter pool draw hunts in the state than I have in um two B. Okay. You know, it's 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 almost like thirty four people come in with this you know they think they're going to shoot 180 190 inch deer because they got two b tags but chances are they're not some guys are for sure but you know last year was the first time in a long time i didn't draw and i barely put a single hunter in for 2b
0: talk about 2c
1: 2c is epic throw in try beat the odds and when you do, you'll be happy. I mean, it's like Mexico, you're going to 2C and you're going to see big deer. This was a horrid year, but my archery hunters still had the chance to shoot at, I think like six deer over 180 and two over 190 and one over two. Wow.
0: Um, you know, how do you think 2C is trending with the horrible year this year? Do you think it's still trending in the right direction?
1: I've got more moisture since last fall. Um, I've got pretty good moisture on the ground right now, which is way more than we had at any time last year. I think we'll be okay. I still saw big deer. I just didn't have that wow factor, you know, and my buddies that were out there hunting didn't have that wow. Now, one of the raffle tag guys shot a two twenty six. Um, actually, we had a youth hunter miss that, that buck three times. Um, and then he got shot by one of the raffle guys. And then we had, um, you know, a handful of 200 inch bucks here and there that we saw. So uh, those big deer are still there. I just think they just had a bad growth cycle. So I think you'll see it bounce right back if we can get some moisture. What seasons do you like there in 2C? Any of them. I mean, the rifle is great. The muzzle loader, the rifle and archery are my two favorites the muzzleloader hunt is nice, but it's cursed by two things. It's cursed by weather. Um, if it's hot, dry, miserable, um, you know, and the other thing is, is I'm double checking the calendar right now, but I think, I think the full moon, I want to say the full, I don't know where I put my moon chart. um, I think the full moon in September this year is the 20th. So and the October 6th is the new moon. So you got a little better moon phase this year. Last year it was full moon and it was like 90 degrees every day with no rain. That's an old school New Mexico, old Mexico style hunt where you can track them in the sand. You can utilize that if you get any level of moisture. You know, this, that hunt is good, but it's my third choice probably as far as preference of what I would want to do.
0: Okay. Um, Do you do any of the Barbary sheep or
1: Oryx or any of those hunts? I mean, I do quite a bit of stuff in 29 and 30. It's gotten harder for me. 29 and 30 is a great hunt with a ton of public land. For your average guy that's looking for the hunt, that's the one you want to apply for. The 34, uh, 36, 37, that is not the one you want to apply for. Now, you'll probably draw that one, but the 29 and 30 is a phenomenal public land trophy barbary sheep hunt. We kill good rams. I got a buddy that's an outfitter um, in New Mexico. His client killed a 34 this year down in there. We killed two over 30. Um, I have a big place in Texas too, so I, I have a hard time really pushing clients real hard at a comparable priced hunt in New Mexico when they can just go over the counter in Texas. So you, you and, do o- OTC
0: Texas um, out ad hunts?
1: Yeah. Is yeah, that we've a, good got a big deal for you? I like it, man. You know, I love Texas. It's a great place and, and this particular ranch has just been a godsend to us. You know, it's it's sixty-five thousand acres and we we take eight Rams a year, uh maximum, and you know, it's a fifty-six dollar tag. You walk into Walmart or Cabela's and El Paso, buy a tag and drive down to the ranch. Wow. Um you know, we've done really well. We've averaged a little over 31 inches this year on that place. Uh, we killed two over 33. Um, you know, but, you know, for, for your average guy that's looking for a good off-season experience, those barbary sheep hunts are frustrating in New Mexico, but they are cool, cool critters to hunt, man. Have, have you killed one?
0: No, I haven't. I've never even been after them.
1: Oh, uh, well. You know, in New Mexico, in the 10% outfitter pool, your draws go up quite a bit. You should consider that for this year's applications.
0: It's like 30% 30 chance of drawing, isn't it?
1: I think so on some of the hunts. So you do Texas,
0: so you you just have guaranteed tags. That's got to be pretty sweet for you.
1: Yeah, I fill it up after the draw. We kind of sit on that. I mean, right now we're half full because it's all repeat guys. But, you know, we what we do is we kind of sit on that. And then when the draw posts in New Mexico, you know, we fill those in with, as opportunity hunts for just, we've expanded what we do in order to keep people engaged in what we have to offer. You know, it's the draws have gotten tough. And, and frankly, man, I think this year we're going to see a huge spike in um, applications, you know, cause like I was supposed to hunt Arctic red last year. And that got pushed to this year. And I haven't talked to Tavis yet, but at this point I'm going to give this year 15%. Yeah.
0: I don't even give it that much.
1: Yeah. So like, I don't even know what to do, but I mean, I know that that is going to affect the pressure on these draws in the States. I mean, you could see it on the raffle tags for, you know, all the stuff that's happened so far. Yeah, for sure. You know, people are looking for, for those 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 fillers you know and i got buddies in alaska that said they're like three years out now you know and and you know this isn't going to be a one-year deal this is going to be a ripple effect for years because you know guys like tavis who are usually a year or two out anyways now he's got two years of bottleneck and that's depending on who survives this whole mess
0: yeah and i think it's gonna the price is gonna go through
1: the roof too oh yeah no no you're gonna see that with new mexico landowner tags yeah You know, especially if these groups force these agendas on people and get these 90-10 splits, which I don't think is fair. I think I think George had it right back in the day when he fought Arizona for, you know, for fair non-resident quotas. You know, I mean, there's there's a point to that where I hate to say it. But when you look at these states like Nevada and New Mexico that have such high levels of federal land, you know, it's hard for me to, you know, how do I. How do you justify federal land being, you know, 90% to the people? I get it that I live here and everything else and I benefit from it. But, you know, states like Nevada that have extraordinarily high non-resident or high federal lands and low, you know, low non-resident quotas. But, I mean, that's a whole another war, I guess.
0: Yeah. Um. Chris, I want to give you a chance to let the listeners know, um, how to reach out to you, chat with you more, how to follow you, um, your different, uh, websites or, uh, social media. Um, would you do that? And I'll also link it up in the show notes. Um,
1: so would you do that for me? Sure. I mean, compasswestoutfitters.com is the easiest resource of information um, if you really want to check out what we do, you can go to our Instagram, which is also Compass West Outfitters, and you can search Compass West Outfitters on Facebook. Uh, we do pretty good job of of keeping up um, on what we're doing, and it, it and it's nice for a guy that wants to see what we do archery to scroll back to September one you know, and, and roll through that. Or, or like this year we started hunting in August on sheep and stuff. So, you know, you go back and you start in August and scroll through our whole year and see, you know, once the grass turns brown and, you know, you're pretty much, you know, you're out of archery season and you're into firearm season.
0: Well, um, it's always great having you on the podcast. Have you been? You've been so busy with hunting. Have you, did you get out and fish at all?
1: You know, I fished the Juan with some of my guides. It was kind of funny this year. They, with residents only allowed to fish on the San Juan River, which is beyond criminal.
0: Wait, that I but, didn't, is that true?
1: Yeah. No. Yeah, the state parks in New Mexico are closed. Dude, we're still locked down here. Like, you can't go to a restaurant. So non-residents to...
0: can't go fish at the San Juan?
1: No. A non-resident is not permitted to come and fish to San Juan at all or enter any state park in the state. So Elephant Butte, San Juan River, I mean, I- I'm in hog paradise right now. I can drive up to the San Juan seven days a week, and there's maybe one or two boats a day. So... My a lot of my guides hit me up this year and started coming up and fishing because there's no one on the water. So you can come up, you know, the middle of July over Fourth of July weekend, and there's a handful of personal floaters and did it you know, kill guides, the
0: guide companies there?
1: Oh, it's destroying them. I mean, you know, you know, I'm I'm in I'm getting ready right now. My boy is old enough to start figuring out a little of that stuff, and just to kind of try to help some of those guys i'm going to book a few one day wade trips with some of my buddies that guide up there and let them take my kid and and give him some real nice one-on-one instruction not with a basis on fishing but on a basis on education but yeah man it's rough dude i mean the 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 san juan river for this entire year has been closed to non-residents the only people allowed to go there yeah it's crazy It's crazy. And you know, sportsmen is take it food only. The hotels are at 25%. They have to have a 24 hour period of sanitation between guests. So, you know, a little tiny hotel. I don't even think Abe's opened this year. Oh my
0: goodness.
1: Yeah, man. It's crazy. I mean, you know, restaurants are still closed. Our grocery stores were supposed to walk certain aisles. I mean, Dude, she the, uh, I, you know, I mean, we're here to talk hunting and fishing, which is a lot more fun than politics. But you know, this has been a crazy, crazy cycle of year, you know, a year especially. Wow. But think, I mean, when they do open it up, when you if you come down here, hit me up, and I bet you the fishing you know, will be good. Oh, dude, these fish, the the San Juan right now is where it was in the early nineties. Before it got hammered into the ground really so
0: the quality of fish and the health of the fish and numbers of fish
1: Through the roof on all counts. I mean it's back I fished it this summer a couple of times and I remember when I moved here in 1997 and that was kind of at the tail end of the real glory days of the San Juan But when I moved here in 97, it was unreal And it's like that again, like, I mean, you're catching multiple 18 to 22 inch fish, they're fat, they're healthy, they fight, you know, it's, it's a really remarkable change. And that's not just from the lack of pressure. That's been a progressive change the last couple of years here on the San Juan.
0: Interesting. Wow. Okay. Well, I'll have to think about that. Uh, if they ever lift those uh, restrictions, um, Chris, it's always great having you on the podcast. Uh, Thanks for coming on. Uh, We'll be chatting at you down the road here, and uh, I'll link up uh, your contact info in the show notes. Uh, And just thanks for sharing with us, okay?
1: Yeah, for sure, Jay. And if you get close, as you get closer to Colorado, hit me up. We picked up some new permits area up there, too.
0: Awesome. Awesome. All right, buddy. God bless.